You know, it's a challenge to be a parent in this modern world, but it's also a challenge to be a grandparent. For one thing, you don't want to interfere or get crosswise with your children about how they're raising your grandchildren. And some of you can identify with that. When I first had children, and Clay was my first one, my mother said to me, I'm only going to say one thing to you about how to raise your children. And that's simply to say what you mean and mean what you say. And she said that it, her father said that was the only advice that he was going to give her when she first had children. Johnny, if you don't clean up your room right now, you're not going to ride your bicycle for another week. Now, don't say things like that unless you really mean it. And then make sure you mean what you say. If Johnny's riding his bike the next day, you know the next time you tell him something to do, he's not going to listen to it because he's going to think, well, she doesn't really mean it. Make sure you back up your words with your actions. The first time you don't do that, then your kids are never going to think that you're serious again. This is also the only advice that I've given to my children uh, when they became parents, passed it on to the next generation. Say what you mean and mean what you say. But think about that a minute. Doesn't that also apply to our Christian faith? Have you ever thought about that? Say what you mean, mean what you say when it comes to your professions, what you believe as a Christian? In the third of the Ten Commandments, we are told, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In other words, be honest, be serious when you are dealing with God. Say what you mean, but then mean what you say. Consider these examples. When you and I were baptized and became a part of the church, we made that confession of faith that says we believe Jesus Christ is our Lord as well as our Savior. And we make that same confession of faith every Sunday morning. We'll do it again uh, in a few minutes. But if Jesus is our Lord, it would mean that we live our lives every day according to the way that he taught us to live, doing the things he taught us to do and not doing the things that we shouldn't do. If we don't do that, can you say that Jesus is truly our Lord? And often the ways of the world which we're tempted to follow are completely contradictory to the ways of Jesus Christ. So are we saying what we mean? Do we mean what we say when we make that confession of faith? A man and a woman stand at the altar of God, acknowledging God's presence and promising to love and to be there for one another so long as they both shall live. And in light of that promise, they're asking for God's blessings upon their marriage. But the woman doesn't really love the man as much as she loves the financial support and security that he offers her. 
And the man thinks to himself, well, if this doesn't work out, there are others. Within two years, their marriage is on the rocks. And yet they stood before God and they pledged their love and their loyalty and their faithfulness to each other so long as they both shall live. Were they saying what they really meant? Did they mean what they were saying? Peter said, Lord, I will always follow you, even if it means my death. Yet shortly thereafter, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times during the time of the arrest because he was afraid for his own security. Do you think Peter said what he meant and meant what he said? You begin to get the picture now regarding this third commandment. It really means do not take the name of the Lord in vain. And it's not just talking about swearing or cussing like a lot of people relate to this third commandment. But it's talking about really meaning it when you say I believe in God. Or that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And then following up on those words with the way that you live daily. As James says in his letter in the New Testament, faith without works is dead. It's really no faith at all. Or words without actions are empty, meaningless. Even Jesus said, not all who cry, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, when Clay asked me to preach today and continue in this Lenten series from the Gospel of Luke, he said, oh, you can pick out anything in chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9. And as I studied those chapters, I found an interesting theme that ran through all four of them, as well as through the whole gospel itself. And that is, say what you mean and mean what you say. For example, in chapter 6, Luke tells us about Jesus choosing his 12 disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, another James, another Simon, and two Judases. Those are the original 12 disciples. He begins to teach and train those disciples. And among other things, he says to them, a tree is known by the fruit it bears. No good tree bears bad fruit. The good person, out of the treasure of his own heart, produces good. An evil person produces evil. And then Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you? In other words, he's saying, say what you mean and mean what you say. Don't say it. Don't say you'll follow me if you don't really mean it. Then in Luke chapter 7, we read how John the Baptist, who's now in prison and soon to be beheaded, sends messengers to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And how does Jesus respond to that? He says, go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, 
the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. In other words, he's saying, tell John not just what you hear me saying, but what I'm doing. Not just my words, but my actions. Because I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. Then in Luke chapter 8, still another passage that conveys the same theme. Jesus' mother and his brothers are trying to get to him, but they can't because there's always such a crowd of people around him. And so they send message, and Jesus is told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. And Jesus replies, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. In other words, Jesus is saying, the family to which I truly belong, the family of God, the family of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, include those who do the will of God and don't just talk about it. Don't just say, I believe, but back up that statement with action by the way you live, by the way you treat other people on a daily basis. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Still one other example, so that you can tell Clay I preached from all four of these chapters. It's found in chapter 9. People are telling Jesus that they will follow him wherever he goes. And Jesus replies by saying, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. One of them says to Jesus, Well, I will follow you, but first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another says, I will follow you, but, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family at home. And Jesus says to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, don't say that you want to follow me if you don't mean it. And if you mean it, then don't make excuses why you can't do it right now. How would you feel if Jesus says that to you? How do you feel? Because he is saying that to you today. At a recent meeting of the elders of Woodmont Christian Church, they had a discussion on the relevance, the relevance of our faith to our daily living. And here are some of the bullet points that came out of that discussion. One bullet point said, basic things in life, including our houses, our children, our money, our social status, can so easily become idols in life in an attempt to find security, significance, and control. And thus, they lead us astray from truly following up on our confession of faith. Another bullet point said, a big part of being a Christian is maintaining a healthy relationship with Christ that is always growing. And this obviously requires commitment. 
meaning what you say about your faith in God. And it means not only following up your words with actions, doing good works of kindness and compassion toward other people, but also a commitment of your time to continue in your spiritual growth through quiet times, through daily prayer times, through daily studying of the scriptures, and just being still, being quiet, and knowing God. In other words, there's a price that you must pay if you're serious about it, if you really mean what you say. But George Barna, who is a longtime well-known pollster in this country, he does research and does surveys, particularly relating to Christianity in the church. He says in his recent book that people today are comfortable with faith as long as it provides the benefits they seek and is neither demanding or constraining. Let me say that again. People today in our society are comfortable with faith as long as it provides the benefits that they want and it doesn't demand anything of them or put any restrictions on them. Theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer adamantly called that cheap grace, wanting God's salvation and all the blessings that brings without having to pay the price. Or as the Apostle Paul would say, they want the crown, but not the cross. One other bullet point in that elders' discussion about how faith relates to our daily living is that our faith is best exhibited in the way that we live and the way that we treat other people. And then to be more specific, they said, Christians are clearly called to treat others well, with respect, with civility, and with compassion. Let's be honest. It's a lot easier to say that than to do that. But oh, how much our society needs that today. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. We need that in our world today. People around us need to be loved. We need to be loved as well as to love others. So is Jesus your Lord? Do you try to do what he tells us to do every day of our lives, even at times when it's difficult to do it? Do you say what you mean and mean what you say when it comes to your faith? My mother's advice has always stayed with me beyond just raising my children, but into my relationship with Christ. I've always tried to mean what I say when I make the confession of faith so that I'm not taking the name of the Lord in vain. In the Old Testament, we read about the first covenant, we call it the old covenant, that God made with his people through Abraham. He said, I will be your God if you will be my people, meaning if you'll live according to the ways that I want you to live. God kept his part of the covenant by leading them out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. But the Israelites didn't always keep their part of the covenant, and they broke it time and time again as we read in the Old Testament. 
But then God made a new covenant with us, his people, through Jesus Christ. Through it, God promises to be our God. And through Jesus, he will save us from whatever it might be that keeps us from fullness of life if we will live and do what Jesus teaches us to do. So we say, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And when we make that confession of faith, do we say what we mean? Do we mean what we say? And if you do, you're going to have another opportunity to say it in just a moment. And then at the end of our service, to come and renew that covenant, the new covenant with Christ, when we come to the table of the Lord's Supper. Hopefully, we will say what we mean and then mean what we say.